I, I, I want to remind us uh, today that we need to be thankful. We need to remember how God has moved in mighty ways, even in the midst of, of heartache and struggle and terrible things, terrible things. Uh, five years ago this weekend, uh, I was over at a neighbor's house who are members of the church, the Canalises, and we were watching uh, Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor beat each other up. Or at least we were trying to watch it, uh, but it was raining that evening. And, and the signal kept messing up, and we were all kind of frustrated. I was mostly frustrated for John because he paid for it. Uh, <laughs> and, and so we were watching this thing, and, and there was this threat of this little hurricane coming. And it's, it's rain. Like, we live in Texas. Come on. We live near the coast. Like, come on. Like, we got this. Well, then it kept getting worse and worse, and some other friends, who uh, the Barnetts were over, and they, tr- they said, well, maybe we should just go. And so they left, and about five minutes later, they were back. Uh, we can't get into our neighborhood. Oh, okay, great. Well, while that was happening, little did we know that some of our other church members, uh, Scott, who's playing the bass today, uh, he and his family were fighting for their life, actually, because their house had flooded, and the floodwaters were sweeping them away, and they had to be rescued, and uh, water was rising everywhere, and still yet, I, in that moment, uh, was texting our staff saying, hey, we're going to have church tomorrow. <laughs> like those guys in Pearland and Heritage Park, Bay Area, those are wimps. Like we're charging ahead. That all changed about 2 a.m. <laughs> when it was really chaos, and, and, and it was crazy bad, and all of you remember Hurricane Harvey, but uh, there was great amazing things that happened as a result of that. Unbelievable God kind of things uh, that happened as a result of that. Uh, Just a few months earlier in March, uh, because some church members had stood up in a business meeting. Oh, by the way, business meeting tonight at 4 p.m. I'll say it again later. But uh, in a business meeting said, hey, we ought to try to buy this building over here at the time was known as King's Kids. It was a daycare. It was the original grocery store in Friendswood. We ought to buy that. Now, who, who does that in a business meeting? Stands up in the crowd and says, hey, let's just buy this piece of property. Well, that happened. A- and we got it, amazingly. That was in March. We finally purchased it. In August, Hurricane Harvey comes. And for the next six months, that building was used to distribute goods and materials, uh, to help families. Ultimately, FEMA leased it from us uh, to do the small business loans to help businesses and families recover. And and what a blessing that was. What what an amazing answer to prayer in the midst of tragedy and heartache, how the big C church came together. And I remember during those days after Harvey, how so many people came from all across the country, from California to New York. I will to this day and for the rest of my life love Popcorners, the the brand uh, of snack food, because they sent from New York State, drove all the way here a truck full of cases of Popcorners to help families, to just like have a little relief, like, wow, What a blessing that was. And they're good too, by the way. And and as we look back on that, how during that rainstorm in the middle of the night, the next morning, uh, John, whose house we were at, and Dylan, our drummer today, and I would launch a boat from our FLC parking lot. Launch a boat from our parking lot. Just let that sink in for a moment. 
And we went back and we were able to help some families back in the neighborhoods back there. And, and how God in the midst of tragedy uh, can do amazing things. And today as we look at Hannah's prayer, this woman who had experienced heartache and frustration and tragedy year after year after year after year, finally experiences a, a breakthrough and, and experiences the blessing of God by being able to have a child. She, she's not excited about the fact that she has Samuel. That's not what this prayer is about. The prayer is not about the blessing of Samuel. There's a little part in there. But most of the prayer is about the strength and the might and the power of God. The, the power of God. And, and I don't know if, if you're a person who is intrigued by powerful things. Uh, before I was married, my roommate and I, we would stay up late at night and watch one of two things, like weapons of war um, or these big like heavy machinery shows that are on Discovery Channel late at night. Like, just because power is something that guys have a tendency to, to gravitate to. But I, I don't know, maybe you're excited about power. Maybe every four years you get intrigued with weightlifting because it's in the Olympics. You're like, I could care less about weightlifting, but it's in the Olympics, so I'm going to root for America. And so you, you watch these men and women lift crazy amounts of weight. Or, or maybe uh, you, are just, you just love TikTok, I know all of you kind of over here and up there, you're just intrigued by it. You love it to death, TikTok. You guys don't care about it. But, but you see on TikTok this college football player, because college football season is back, this college football player amazing all of his teammates by the reps of bench press or the weight on the bench press or a deadlift. And, and you're, you're, you're amazed by how much he can lift. Or you're up late at night praying, because I know that's what we all do, stay up late at night and pray, and you happen to turn on ESPN3 or ESPNU, you know, one of the really upper channels, and there's the World's Strongest Man competition, and you're just mesmerized by these big guys with Swedish names, because that's the, all the strongest guys in the world are from Sweden and Norway, and, and they're lifting these crazy, or one of the Stans, like, you know, Uzbekistan or something. And they lift telephone poles and giant boulders and, man, amazing. Because you and I could never do that. And that's kind of the prayer here for Hannah. Is that God can do something that I could never do. He's so strong, so powerful, so mighty, so in control that, that he does things that I could never do. And no one that I know could ever do. I like trying to my, my stepdad uh, was probably the strongest person I've ever known. He, he's, he was about 5'8", my stepdad, 5'8". Um, and, and in China, they would, they, if he ever had gone there, they would have said, oh, you're so strong. Which for them would translate as you're overweight. Because um, he was a little overweight, a lot overweight sometimes. But, but he could pick me up even well into my 30s. He could grab me and pick me up and lift me onto the counter as an adult human. The boys loved it. Like that was the greatest thing in the world for them. And, and, and so I, I think about strength in a lot of different ways. Some people have strength in their muscles. Others have a strong heart like you're never going to put them down. 
They're going to fight and fight and fight and fight to the end. They have a strong heart. Some people have a strong mind that they persevere intellectually. And they will not be defeated. But Hannah looks at her God and says, you're the strongest, you're the mightiest, you're the most powerful. You're the one who is in control of all. And I only have one thing to say to you and that's to exalt you, to praise you, to lift your name up. And so I want us to look at this prayer this morning. We're gonna, it's a, it's a lengthy prayer, 10 verses in our Bible, but lots of stanzas. And so I want to break the, the, the prayer up into two halves. And we're going to look at the first half beginning in verse 1 of 1 Samuel 2. And it, it says this. Here, here's Hannah's prayer. Now, remember the context here, just to set it before you dive in. Uh, Samuel has been born. Uh, they go back home to their little small town. They've come back now uh, when Samuel's probably two or three years old. Uh, he's no longer nursing. He's been weaned, no longer nursing. And remember her commitment, right? Her commitment was, Lord, if you give me a son, I will devote him to you. He'll be a Nazarite. I'll give him to the temple and Eli will be in charge of him. And so here we are now, two or three years later, after Samuel is born, they've come back to Shiloh where the, the place of worship is and they're going to leave Samuel with Eli. So that's the context of where she prays this what she says. She's going to leave Samuel with Eli, her son son with the priest. And so Hannah prayed and said this, my heart exalts in the Lord. My strength is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord. There is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, and the feeble bind on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who are hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn." Hannah's prayer here is, are the last recorded words we have of Hannah. She's actually not talked about the rest of the book. And so this is it. This is her, her final public words are a prayer that was probably spoken or given in a public setting. Probably as she was in the midst of worship, it's probably when she prayed uh, this prayer. And so she's acknowledging, of course, the, the mighty power of God, that he's holy, he is strong, he's her rock, Uh, We have a number of worship songs uh, surrounding uh, verse 2 there. Uh, On the way uh, back and forth to Indiana, many of you know our oldest son goes to school in Indiana, college in Indiana. And over the past three and a half years, uh, he had this thing that he wanted to do. He wanted to listen through my entire catalog of songs that are on my iPhone. 1,848 songs. I stopped adding songs when we started this, or it probably would have been a little bit more. Uh, most of those are deep cuts from the late 90s, early 2000s Christian era, Christian genre. People that only Greg Lowry would know. 
Um, <laughs> and, and so, uh, and there's obviously Christmas song and songs and some pop rock stuff too from all across that zone. But, but as a part of that, there's a song by Tommy Walker. He's a Christian artist, uh, worship leader. He has a song called There is a Rock. And it's from this passage. It's kind of a jazzy tune. Uh, it, it was semi-popular in the early 2000s in church life. Uh, the church I served in Orlando, we sang it uh, during that era. But, but it brought back to this memory because we were well past the T's uh, on this trip because we finished on this trip. Ten, ten trips it took us to get through 1,848 songs, in case you're wondering how long. Uh, we made it about three hours into our trip this time and we finished. So then we just put it on shuffle. And this song came up, There is a Rock, uh, which I was like, hey, that'll be great for the sermon this week. Because over and over and over again in the scripture, we see God called a rock, the, the symbol of strength and might. And, and not a rock that you find on the ground. No, a rock like the side of a mountain, that, that's the rock that Hannah is referring to. That's the, the rock that the psalmist refers to. It is this mighty, immovable, powerful God. That's who our God is. And she wants to acknowledge that. She wants to exalt him. She wants to lift him high, not just because of his holiness and his strength, but because he's discerning, he's full of knowledge. And he knows exactly what's going on with the godly and the ungodly. And she here prays an honest prayer that now that you've blessed me, I can stand up to my enemies. And she only had one, really. And that enemy's name was Peninnah, her husband's other wife. If you missed last week, go watch the video, okay? We'll get into all that. But, but she now has the strength to overcome her enemy, both the godly and the ungodly. She acknowledges that God is involved in every circumstance. He's sovereign over all. And God hears her specifically. God's just not a God of strength and might and power. He's not just like the rock, this immovable mountain. No, he hears the prayer of a lowly woman named Hannah who has a struggle against another woman who has a struggle in childbearing. He hears me and he's sovereign over all of that. And he alone has caused her victory. He alone is the one who helped her overcome her dismay and heartache. And so in him, she'll rejoice. Not because she's strong, not because she's mighty, not because she can figure out, not because she's strong in heart, strong in mind, strong in body, no. She's only those things because the Lord is strong. The Lord is mighty. And so she reminds herself and all those perhaps who are listening that God is the source of strength and victory and joy. God is the one. 
God is the one who gives strength. God is the one who gives victory. God is the one who instills joy within us, who can put a smile on our face, the one who can help us be even keeled in the midst of heartache and trauma and uncertainty. In the, in the midst of difficulty and challenge, I can still go forward in victory because I know my God is the source of all of that. He is the one who sees me through. So much so that, that she talks about the blessing of having seven kids. If you, if you notice there, uh, the, the end of verse five, the barren has born seven. Well, that's actually not true. So Hannah's not a liar. Uh, Hannah actually only had six kids. Um, Eli was the first of those, but she ended up having six children. She says seven here because seven is the what? perfect number. It's the number of blessing. It's the number that, that symbolizes the blessing of God. And, and so it's almost as if Samuel was a double portion, as if though Samuel was only one child, it was the blessing of two children. So he says, God is the source of my blessing. And, and he is the one that, that God brought me. He's the one that helped answer my, my prayer. And so as you and I think about our own prayers, as we think about how we pray to God, I, I, I want to share with you just a few things that we might learn from Hannah's prayer that you and I might put into practice. What, what did Hannah learn from her prayer to God? Not, not this prayer, not the prayer in chapter 2, no, the prayer of chapter 1 of, I don't have a child, I, I want a child, I long for a child. What, what can we learn from her in that prayer? Well, first we know that God does answer prayer. And he answered her prayer by, by giving her a son. Now, the reality is that's not always God's answer. God's answer is not always, okay, I'm going to give you what you long for. I, I'm going to give you a yes to your prayer. Sometimes the answer is no, <laughs> Sometimes the answer is not yet. And for years and years and years with Hannah, the answer was not yet. It wasn't a no, it was a not yet because he eventually did give her a child. But we don't know how long she prayed, Lord, open my womb. We, we don't know how long she prayed that prayer. But it wasn't just one year. But he answered her prayer. God answers our prayers. We also learn that she could take assurance in God. She could be assured of God's presence in her life, that he heard her. Because not only did he answer her prayer, but he was listening the whole time. He, he was listening to her, and so she could be reassured. She, she learned that, that he was near to her, even though it seemed like he may have been far, far away. He was near. He was listening. He had not abandoned her. And so if you're here today and, and you've been struggling, you've got heartache, you have frustration, that life, it, there's one thing or a thousand things in your life that are going wrong, that are going poorly, that you can't get a handle on, that seem to be caving in, let me remind you that God has not abandoned you. He's listening. He hears you. He's close. Hannah learned that. I'm sure it didn't happen after the first year of prayer. She had to learn it. She had to learn that God hadn't abandoned her. 
But one of the beautiful parts of, of Hannah's story is that she learned through prayer that she was just as committed, maybe not just as, she was committed to God just like God was committed to her. Because what did Hannah do? Hannah's prayer was, Lord, if you answer this prayer, if you bless me with the son, I will devote him to you for his entire life. Well, there's a commitment there. Not just a little old commitment. Not like, Lord, if you turn the light green now, I won't speed the rest of the way. Not that kind of commitment. No, this was a commitment to say, Lord, if you bless me, then I'm going to return to you the thing in which you blessed me with. And so she committed herself. That, that's a result of prayer that you and I commit ourselves to our Heavenly Father just as he is committed to us. What a great lesson for Hannah that she followed through. Great lesson for us that she followed through in her commitment by giving her son to the Lord's service. And then she finally, she realized that God was in control of everything. That he had orchestrated circumstances, that he had put her in a position that she was going to answer. And, and her prayer, as we read today, will just reinforce that. That she knows God is in control of all things. And so I I don't need to get worked up over it. Because all my strength and power and might and intellect and my pull up myself by my bootstraps mentality may or may not change God's plan, desire, action. It may, but it may not. And so as you and I look and think and consider our own prayer life, the question we have to ask for ourselves is, do we praise God when he answers our prayers? Now, not just when he answers your prayer the way you want him to, because that's the easy part, and that's usually the part we neglect the most. When God answers our prayers the way we want, we usually take the credit for it. Look what I did. Or look how awesome that was. No, do you praise God when you, he answers your prayers in the way you desire? Do you, answer, do you praise him when he doesn't answer the prayer the way you want or you don't get an answer at all? You get the not yet. Do you praise him? Hannah, year after year after year, went to Shiloh to worship. Year after year after year, her heart was broken. We have testimony of that. She didn't want to eat, she was crying, she was upset, but year after year after year, she continued to worship and praise God, even through her heartache and her struggle. And so all the more, when God answers her prayer in a mighty way, does she praise him? Does she lift his name up? Does she declare his faithfulness, his wisdom, his power? She details her belief in him in these following passages. So I want to pick up the prayer because in this final section of her prayer, it's all the things that she believes about what God can do in her world and in our world, what God can do, what he does in the midst 
of humanity. Look with me at verse 6. It starts out a little strong. The Lord kills and brings life. He brings down to Sheol and he raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap. Be careful how you say that. Just saying what you're thinking. Um, He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the power of his anointed. God can do anything. He does mighty things. And that's her declaration here, that God is about mighty things, creative things, powerful things, life and death kinds of things. And oh, in the midst of all of that, he paid attention to me, Hannah, a lady from nowhere. And he heard my prayer. In the midst of all of this majestic work, he's paid attention to me. That, that matters. That should matter to us. Because I think about even in the, in the life of our church, I'm so thrilled he's here today, John Gilmore, uh, one of our deacons, <laughs> who, who a couple of weeks ago um, had a tragedy and ended up in the hospital and it did not look good at all. It was bad, like really bad. Like can't underestimate how bad it was. And then it wasn't bad. Like it, was, it was crazy. It, it was really bad, and then it wasn't. Now, it's still not perfect. <laughs> right, John's still not perfect. But, but it was a miracle. Like, like God did a miracle. And, and how many dozens and hundreds of people were praying for John and, and, and how God brought him from, from death to life. And, and he did that. And, and And yet God does all these other things too at the same time. And there are things in your life, situations in your life, where God didn't do quite that thing. Like he didn't do that. He he didn't get, you didn't get the answer that John got. But, But God is still in control, still powerful, still mighty. And Hannah, even in the, the best or the worst, she's going to exalt the king of kings. Because she recognizes fully that life is full of contrasts. And, and that's what these verses are about, contrast. Look at what she says. She, she talks about how positive God's activity can be. Um, he makes alive. He raises from the dust. He lifts from the ash heap. He exalts. He calls his people to inherit a throne. He seats people with princes. He gives them a place of honor. He sends wealth. He guards. He gives strength. 
He raises up from the grave. Those are all wonderful, amazing, life-altering things that God does in the midst of his people. But at the same time, God also sends poverty. He humbles. He thunders against those who are against him. He judges people. He brings death. He brings down to the grave. God is in both the greatest things that you and I get to experience, and he's in those worst things too. But he's in them. And Hannah's desire is to exalt him no matter what. And Hannah's not worried about it. Like that's the point of this prayer is that I can trust in the power and the might of God. And so no matter where you are today, whether you're on the mountain and you're excited about life and God has done some of these great things for you, allow you to rise to prominence, he's seated you with honor, he's brought life to you, he's surrounded you with great things, you're off to a tremendous start at school, you know, you got all A's for the first week, way to go. (laughs) Haven't had any grades yet, but I've got all A's. Like you're off to a wonderful start you need to praise God. Or, or maybe it's, it's been the worst three weeks of your life. God's in control. And we don't have to worry about manipulating, changing, trying to work the system. No. In either of those cases, Hannah's prayer helps us realize that our role, our responsibility, is to rest in the mighty power of God. To rest to take refuge in the mighty power of God because he's going to handle it. He's going to take care of it. It may not be exactly the way we want or the way we like, but we can trust him because he's full of knowledge, full of wisdom, full of discernment, full of power, full of holiness. He's perfect in all his ways. And so I can rest in him. And as Hannah concludes her prayer, she looks ahead to a day, a day when when God will anoint not just any king, but his king. And we know who that king is, his anointed one. His name is Jesus. That's the king that, that will ultimately be anointed and exalted, King Jesus. He is the one who we can rest in, trust in, look to. This is the first time in the Old Testament the word anointed is used. This one who is set apart by God, anointed position that that God places in control of all things, his son, Jesus Christ. It's the reason Mary, mother of Jesus, quotes Hannah's prayer in her prayer after Jesus was born. Because she knows this is God's king, the anointed one, the holy one of God who takes away the sin of the world, who gives us strength, who died for us so that we might live, so that we could rest in the mighty power of God. That's the blessing of being a part of the family of God is that we can rest in his strength, in his might. And our sole response 
is simply to praise him. And that's my prayer for us today. Is that no matter where you are, no matter what's going on in your life, that you would praise him, that you would exalt him, that you would lift his name high, that you would declare to him all the things that we know he is and all the things we know he does. So maybe this week will be a great week to reread this prayer over and over again and look at these characteristics of God and praise him for who he is. Shall we do that? Shall we exalt his mighty name? Will you bow with me?